Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Selling Sessions, a podcast by United Capital, all about how to sell your business by the people who could actually buy it. This week we have another fantastic guest in Greg Vincent, who is partner and head of corporate and commercial law at Morrison Solicitors. Greg and Paul get into a lot of the finer details about doing deals, including the more emotional side of of doing deals, um, and also some considerations for post-M&A planning. Um, It's an excellent episode, a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Paul, and thanks very much uh, for having me on today. Um, so I'm, um, as you say, head of corporate at Morrison's uh, Solicitors. Um, my background has been 15 years in M&A. Before that, I was a I was a barrister, but um, I've been focusing on transactional work, as I say, for the last sort of 15 years. Uh, Morrison's itself has a long history. Uh, we've been actually around for about 300 years, um, all told. Um, but our, our growth has been mainly over the last 20 years. Uh, we have offices, uh, eight offices uh, currently over uh, southwest London and the southeast, and we are pretty much um, a full service uh, firm. Um, I think one of the one of the really great things about the firm is that we are um, we have a very strong private client offering, um, and yeah. dealing with sort of wealth and estate planning really provides kind of end to end services for clients, um, particularly when they're you know, selling a business, we can look after all of their needs in-house, um, which does, I think, set a firm aside from others because, you know, a lot of firms have a lot of depth in various disciplines, but I think what's really smart and provides um, a, a considerable amount of additional expertise and added value is when one's thinking about what happens in the seams that join up um, that advice, um, and that can really build some meaningful outcomes for the client. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, you want a, a seamless journey. Um, you know, we'll get on to sort of um, the, the the sellers and you know what what the sort of things that they they look to do as part of that journey, particularly when they're looking to sell a business. And but, but uh, trusted advisors and setting expectations early. What why do you think that's so important? Oh, it's absolutely critical. Um, you know, a lot of people will use the word trusted advisor. It's quite a hackneyed term, but 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 really, it is extremely important to have that uh, have those early conversations to set expectations. And an M and A transaction, particularly for for a seller who's not sold before, it's a massive undertaking. Um, and you know, when they're embarking on their first sale, possibly their only sale, uh, they need to have complete faith in their advisor, and their advisor is fighting their corner, uh, thinking ahead, and uh, it's not. It's not the first rodeo for them. They they've done it plenty of times, um, and building that trust really starts by the advisor taking time to understand what the client's really looking to achieve. I mean, it seems straightforward. They're looking to achieve the sale of their business, but it obviously is not as simple as that. Um, you know, you need to avoid getting too drawn into technical issues when discussing with your client. Keep it focused. Keep it business, and really try and understand those outcomes. I mean. One of the things that's really important to remember is you may have multiple sellers. Um, it may not just be one seller. There may be many shareholders, um, you know, you know, a handful or, or more. And that conversation needs to be handled very carefully to ensure that there's no differences in the outcomes that they're looking for at the start. I've seen examples of deals um, nearly falling over because of unresolved and uninvestigated um, outcomes or differences in outcomes. Um, 
Uh, I did one transaction not that long ago acting on the buy side. Uh, the deal came very close to unravelling um, because on the sell side, they'd not really thought carefully about one of the minority shareholders. Um, I hadn't appreciated that um, for him entering into a restricted covenant when there wasn't as much in the deal for him as the majority shareholder was not going to fly. Uh, and that caused a massive issue uh, for us um, at the last minute. Um, and he had plans to to do other things um, shortly after his job had been um, had been uh, um, sort of picked up uh, elsewhere within the uh, the joint business. Um, and there just, as I say, wasn't enough money in it for him to be giving a restraint of trade clause. And he also expected to to retain his employment rights. It was um it, it was a it was a really difficult issue uh, to have come right at the end of a transaction. And it just really was because. Uh, of the failure to to really have those conversations uh, up front with the clients to understand those differences in potential outcomes, um, to really build that trust uh, uh, from the start. Um, yes, yeah, so it's, it's really powerful to to ensure that you set the tone uh, and ensure the clients know that you're mindful of what matters to them and that you're thinking ahead on their behalf right from the start and to try and unknot these knots um, as early as possible. I, th I think that's a that's a good point about you know when you've got multiple uh, sellers or multiple shareholders that are that are within a in a deal um, and uh, they they might all have conflicting um, exit strategies they might have different um, requirements as part of that I mean certainly from our perspective you know we we look to try and uh, cater for uh, all the sellers within the within that uh, within the business that we're looking at to ensure that you know you you keep that that win win um, but of course not not everyone is is perhaps happy about you know the sale of a business or or, or wants to stay on and things like that so it is it does become quite uh, topical and i guess that leads us on to the next part which is about relationships uh, why, why do you think that they're key for doing a, a good deal relationships are are apps again uh, critical whether it's um whether it's the relationship you're building with your client or ensuring that the relationships uh, with the deal teams um are are are, are, are are working that there is uh, the flow of information um that the relationships uh, between the seller and the employees um is such that you know it's it's very difficult to bring the staff with you on a transaction because obviously it's 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 confidential but you do have to think very carefully about some of the staff who may be critical to getting the deal over the line and managing that relationship as well there are so many different relationships in delivering yeah. an effective um, uh, M&A deal. Uh, there may be particular individuals within the organization who you're gonna rely heavily on as a seller for the purposes of, of due diligence. Um, the information that they have may be critical to the buyer being able to ass assess the business. Um, and so managing that relationship and ensuring that they're coming along with the journey and there's enough in it for them to feel that, you know, the sale of, of the business isn't going to be prejudicial to their standing within within the organisation. That's an important thing to manage. Um, they may hold key things within the business. They may hold client relationships. They may hold key aspects of compliance. They may hold specialist knowledge that's very important to the manner in which the business uh, is operated. And there are many reasons why relationships with particular members of staff may be very important to manage during the M&A process. And um, there are so many different relationships. Your relationship with your client is important. The relationships, as I said, with key members of staff is important. The relationship between the deal teams, as I say, is important. Setting out objectives, making sure that everybody knows who is their counterpart on the transaction so that when we are negotiating, we're not wasting time with, you know, 
blended rates of, of lawyers together on conference calls. Um, we've instead got the real estate person talking to the, the relevant real estate person, you know, the employment advisor talking to the relevant employment advisor. That takes management, uh, that takes uh, project management. It's a, it's a process that you have to you have to know how to do, you have to know how to get it right. Um, because it's those sorts of things that can that hold up a deal. And, and time is the enemy on an M&A transaction. You've got to keep the momentum um, and you've got to get it done um, on, on time. Uh, it's really key. It's critical because, you know, lawyers can spend as long as you uh, ask them to negotiating a deal. Um, <laughs> so you've got to keep them focused. You've got to keep the deal team focused. Um, sure. And that's the only way that you'll deliver it. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, particularly, you know, when, when you're talking about uh, the relationships from the, the internal perspective, uh, from the, the seller's uh, point of view, you know, they, they've got to ensure that, um, you know, that their management team um, are looking to, if there's particularly if they're exiting, uh, are going to then step up the, the, the management team, the current one in place, step up or identify those that, that might end up uh, coming into that position. Or, of course, discuss with the seller if the seller's minded to, uh, put someone else in place um, uh, to to go through uh, the next phase of that company's uh, journey. So you're absolutely uh, spot on in, in relation to that, uh, ensuring that that relationship continues. Um, the the other aspect of it as well is is when you've got so many uh, different uh, personalities in, in that that might be involved with a, a transaction. You know, you touched on it there. It's absolutely critical that you you try and maintain the momentum and and and, and ensure that uh, everyone's on song to to ensure that that process goes uh, quickly and effectively. Because, uh, as you say, if if you give uh, lawyers a chance to um, uh, to to spin things out, they certainly will do that. You know, because it'll it's in, well within their interest to accrue a bit more fees. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's not. So it's not just that it's it, it's also the fact that you know it, it it's not so much fees it's it's it, it tends to be the fact that you know lawyers are trained to negotiate um and they will keep negotiating um yeah. unless of course um good lawyers uh have really spent some time in working out what the red lines are and when it's a case of okay let's move on um, yeah. Because because if you don't do that, you just won't get a deal done. Because you can keep negotiating and you know dancing under the pen on these tiny issues forever. Um, so it's about keeping that, keeping the objectives in mind and making sure that you are heading towards those objectives, um, uh, working out your clients' red lines, making sure that you you remain mindful about what is meaningful to them at the end, rather than what is academic um, to argue about. You're absolutely spot on there, and I've touched on it before about you know having a, a you know astute, commercially aware advisor or advisors on your team because you know as you say you can negotiate nuance points to to death, and uh, you know sometimes you you. you they, if you've not got a, a, an experienced, you know, negotiator there, um, then you can end up uh, not seeing the woods for the trees, you know, and and that's the that's the problem with some of the deals to ensure that they maintain the momentum. That you look at the bigger picture as well, and certainly, you know, from a seller's perspective, particularly if if it's our first. Uh, deal, you know, they, they 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 might be a bit of a rabbit in the headlights, expecting you know their um, their, their legal team to um, to just get on with it. But really, you know, th there is that point where you know you need to you know measure measure the the commercial uh, aspects of it and say, well, do you know what what risks are there? 
Uh, and, you know, is it something we could live with or is there an insurance policy there or what risk mitigation strategy can we have as part of that? And a good, you know, astute commercially aware advisor, you know, they're worth their weight in gold for that uh, that particular purpose, you know, because they're able to then see the woods for the, the uh, see the woods for the trees and say, look, you know, we may want to concede this point, but there's another point that we could do some some more work on and get that, that across the line. Absolutely. Um, there's there's often, you know, there's very little that, you know, we can't solve in the legal documentation. I mean, there are some things that go to price, which, which, you know, they are, they are, they are not going to be solved through contractual provisions, but most of it we can deal with in the documents. It's just ascertaining what those things are, as in the hierarchy of, of really key concerns for your client. Um, and, and finding, uh, as you say, creative results from commercial um experts because um we had i did a deal very recently um one of the issues that cropped up was a very last minute um uh, uh, uh sort of a curveball from the buyer side uh, about not accepting general disclosure of all of the information um that my clients had spent a lot of time putting together for the purposes of uh, due diligence um and that was a, a real issue for the client um, and it was actually somewhat of an emotive issue as well as an issue regarding trust um, because we had quite a healthy earnout on that transaction, and of course, trust was really key um, because of an earnout, and 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 that's all, always got to be borne in mind. Um, not accepting general disclosure tactically at the end of uh, all of the data room caused a real issue, and we came up with a number of different um, options as to how to deal with that because it was something that you know the, the client and I completely understand this would not would not concede on. You know, we 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 agreed some technical changes um, as to how those disclosures were made. Um, we discussed warranty indemnity insurance um, for the, for the buyer. Uh, we talked about um, we talked about a number of things, and in the end, uh, we we agreed on um, uh, a result in which you know we would look at their and review their uh, due diligence reports across their advisory team, uh, and then and then pin the awareness of the buyer as to anything that was contained within those due diligence reports, which was obviously based on 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 the general disclosures. And what that did for the buyer was it allowed the buyer to at least have some 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 comfort that you know there weren't issues that were not picked up but to the extent that they were they were aware of them um, yeah. and for us we had an audit of our business which gave us some comfort that there were no howlers in our in our in our data room um it, it's not an ideal outcome um it it, it it bucks market practice as far as my clients were concerned but it got them there it was a creative yeah. solution that took them where they needed to get to and for a slightly different reason than than what was directly on point um it was the fact that they had this third party audit of their business yeah i mean you're absolutely right you know when creative <clears throat> solutions you know they, these are these are sometimes to get you know to get a deal over the line you know these are the sort of things that you, you have to think of uh, and that again you know we talk about the the astute commercial uh, commercially aware advisor and they they can uh, help you uh, devise these creative solutions to ensure that you know you maintain a uh, willing buyer and willing seller i think a lot of the times you know when when we're doing deals we'll look at uh, our, our advisory team and say, look, you know, we're minded to do this deal. So unless there's something uh, absolutely um, uh, catastrophic, essentially, or the, you know, there's there's major major issue, uh, then you know, we, we've got to think like that creatively about the solutions and how we can we can get that deal over the line. Um, and and again, so that's from the buyer's perspective. From a seller's perspective, you know, again, you know, the seller needs to be aware that they are are in control. Uh, you know, their advisors are are there to advise and uh, and to 
to come up with um, strategies. Um, so, so again, it's, it's trying to, to ensure that uh, the power remains with the seller. And I think that sometimes that that um, that, that that process can sometimes be an issue, particularly if they're a first-time seller. So I guess the next question would be, Greg, you know, how do you help um, a seller prepare uh, for the emotional aspects of a deal, particularly when they're looking at like the first time, uh, first time se selling of a business? There, there are there are loads of emotional aspects um, yeah. that we often come across with first-time sellers. Um, one can't discount the fact that they have to run a business whilst going through this exercise. Um, so it's not as if they are um, doing doing this deal uh, instead of uh, running their business, they're doing it at the same time. Um, it may be, you know, it's the business of the advisor, it's what they do day to day. But there, you know, there's a, a huge amount of pressure on, on a seller sometimes to get this to get this deal over the line, and and, and you know they need support. Um, so that can heighten emotions because of the additional workload that they have. Um, you know, one of the things that we can do to help is to really ensure, uh, well, there's a few things. One, the first thing is to make sure that we do as much as we can up front um, to take some of the pressure off. Um, diligence is a, is, is a process that can be, you know, extremely, you know, there's a lot of heavy lifting, um, but it can also raise issues in a business um, that, 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 that sellers are quite sensitive about. Um, uh, and there's some of those things we can resolve uh, early on. Um, key sort of things that tend to go wrong on diligence are things like you know the a classic one is the registers not being up to date um, and it's a big issue for a, for a buyer and the reason for that is under english law the registers basically say who owns the shares they're not, they're not evidence of who owns the shares who's written on the registers that is legal title um, and quite often you know they might have issued a b share class you know, or sorry an alphabet share class uh, for, for different dividend payments or there might be sort of a shareholder they bought out a few years ago and the share registers might not be up to date i mean that's a howler for the buyer and, and it can cause issues with you know incorrect filings that you know have been made over subsequent years and we can fix that stuff to start with or at least draw the buyer's attention to it head on and fix it in the background whilst carrying with due diligence it just takes some of that heat out of that initial part of the process i mean also not having all their documents together um you know not having signed versions of contracts you know buyers tend to get sort of excited about about that um uh you know areas of, of, of sort of um procedural compliance these sorts of things I mean, we can look at them up front and we can deal with them in the initial preparation of the business for due diligence and we can assist the you know the sellers with with, with ensuring we, we take some of that heavy lifting off them to start with to sort of reduce some of the emotional impact of, of having to deal with uh, some of the issues that come out of due diligence um yeah. so you know that's a that's a really important factor but you know it, it's also important to remember that you know a lot of businesses are values driven i mean our organization is values driven we have a we have core values um, and you know the an M and A deal can be a culture shock, and you need to think about that. You need to think about that as a lawyer. You need to think about that as a seller. A seller needs some guidance from their from their advisor because the advisor's done it before. Even though it's not a legal issue, that's irrelevant. You know, we've still done it before. We've still seen it. And integration is often a huge part. And if you don't think about integration now, you're not going to think about it later. Um, you know, you, as in you're not going to be prepared to think about it later because you've not you know, got everything on the stocks. Um, and thinking about how those culture clashes um, might arise and thinking about the emotional impact uh, that they'll have um, is really important. I mean, it can be small things. It can be things, uh, as I said, a values-driven business whereby there is a you know, particular benefit that the, the staff has uh, that, you know, 
could go quickly because it's not, you know, it's not something that's in in the integrated business. Um, but thinking about how the messaging of that is done, or how that could be replaced, or or how one deals with that, you know, it just drives hearts and minds uh, in the integration process. You know, so th there are emotions from the seller in, in in dealing with putting a deal together. There are emotions in the integration of two businesses with each other, uh, and all of these things can be, if not neutralized, certainly, you know, um, managed. Uh, by early sort of upfront identification um, and, and, and troubleshooting. I, th I think that's absolutely spot on. You know, you talk about culture uh, and and you know dealing with that aspect and, and the values of of the of the businesses. Certainly, when we're looking at businesses, you know, we 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 don't really want to to particularly the businesses we're looking at. We're looking at well-run, well-managed businesses uh, that have uh, you know an excellent culture and you know got excellent values. So. When we're looking at businesses, we're not looking to change any of that. You know, we we want generally want the uh, the buyer, uh, sorry, the seller, uh, to stay on uh, for for a period of time at least, and uh, you know, and, and uh, to to identify people within the organisation if they are looking uh, to exit. You know, that have got a similar uh, viewpoint and similar culture as as to what they've uh, they've already established. So, you know, from from our point of view, you know, it's it's not like a, perhaps like a private equity who come in and just you know, page one rewrite, or or the the other uh, aspect of it is is you could have a business that's looking to hive it all in into the one. We we see that there's value in all the the the, the, the local operators, and they've got their uh, and, and regional operators because they've got their uh, own intrinsic value uh, with that and their own culture uh, that fits the mould for that area as well. So it's it's definitely. Um, something that we are absolutely cognizant of when we're going into a deal and uh, you know from a seller's point of view as well you know they they, they want to uh, even if they're looking to exit generally they want what's best for the business and uh, if they are first-time sellers they are looking at you know perhaps have been they've been in the business for 30 years plus and uh, and are looking to to sell and of course they feel they feel that that culture and the values and things are, are there um, because of them, and of course it, it is, and you, you want those things to continue. The good aspects of all of these businesses, you want that to continue. So, um, but of course it is is very emotional. It's a very emotional time, and um, you know certainly that some of the points you've made about you know trying to take the load off of uh, of um, a client when they're when they're obviously going through quite a stressed time anyway, probably with work on top of you know doing a doing a deal like this. So that's absolutely critical. Um, I guess that, that uh, sorry, you were going to say something. I was just going to say, you know, a well-advised buyer um, who's done this many times before uh, will think quite carefully about their implementation plan in, in just the sort of manner that you you discussed, Paul, about, you know, and, and there's often a budget for it. You know, the resources are needed uh, to think about, you know, how 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 um how the implementation how the integration is going to work um uh, with roles assigned and clear plans about how that's gonna gonna work through and one of those things and and it does help a seller because a seller is often worried about you know what's going to happen to my people what's going to happen to the, the the ways that they're used to working the benefits that we have for them i mean you know it's a small thing but you know at my firm for instance there are certain benefits that you know we've developed over time you know people always have their birthdays off um and they're given a sort of 50 pound voucher on their birthday and there's the sort of things that you know that we do as a business um that we commitment to our staff it's important and and if you're a seller and you're worried about whether that's going to be maintained and talking about implementation and talking about staff benefits and talking about that kind of thing uh, can really settle the nerves of a nervous seller. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we've we've found that many times. You know, when you're you're talking about 
um, what what we you know a lot of them are nervous to say you know what are you going to do if if you buy the business what sort of things are you going to do and you, when we turn around and say well it's well run you know we're not we're not looking to 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 change much at all you know if anything um, it, all it would be is uh, you know uh, just engagement with yourselves and uh, to ensure that the longevity of the business uh, going forward and of course. Uh, a lot of the feedback we've had uh, from the, the acquisitions we've made uh, so far is that, you know, oh, you, you actually, uh, do you think everything's going fine? We're like, yeah, yeah, what, do you think everything's going fine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we expected that while you said that you were going to do that, you know, that you weren't going to do anything uh, to, to upset the business, we, we kind of thought that you were going to do it. And we're like, no, uh, we've, we we do as we say we're going to do. You know, unless something major happens, you know, we would. You're not you're not going to go up and upset the apple cart unnecessarily. And you know, you see you see it with um, a lot of um, private equity firms. You know, they'll come in, they'll they'll do a page one rewrite, and they'll try and take as much money out of the business as possible. Uh, and you know, we, we've seen that with some of the the businesses with the, the, that we've spoken to. They've either done a turnaround because our PEs came in and and done all that to it. And we think to ourselves, well, you know, that our model's different in that you know we we like to keep the the intrinsic values there. And I think that that resonates with sellers as well. And that you know a lot of our values and culture, um, you know, we we want them to continue within. Uh, their business as well uh, because they've obviously spent a long time building those things up and their reputation as well so I think that's why a lot of the feedback we have from sellers is you know that they're, they're really keen on working with us you know um, so I guess I guess it goes to the to the next stage then you know we're you've obviously got a huge wealth of experience Greg is there any sort of um, hints or tips or learning lessons that you've had over the years that uh, you'd, you'd like to give our listeners, uh, particularly those that are perhaps first-time sellers um, and uh, and going through the process uh, for that very first time? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, as, as I say, one of the key things is uh, to for sellers to, to really recognise the extensive effort and time the deal is going to take. Um, deals take, you know, Three to four months, typically, um, uh, and 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 there needs to be some stamina. You um, uh, should recognise the stamina that it's going to take to get through through that process. So, not being prepared, um, not having you know the, the time and create the space for yourself to to to, to deliver that within that time period um, can be a common mistake. So, you know, just recognising that, just making sure that you have that time, that you have enough support around you to still be able to run the business, um, that's really important. Um, Preparing for your due diligence, as I say, again, really time consuming. Um, troubleshoot the problems, get your advisor to give it a once over. Diligence is a buyer led exercise, but there's no reason why uh, the seller's advisor shouldn't have a look through that data room, shouldn't try and pick up um, the howlers nice and early, get them sorted, get them explained, work out the communications on, on how we're going to deal with any problems. Um, as I said, it saves time, later, saves time later and reduces the stress on the sellers. Getting the right advisor, really important for, for, for the sellers to get the right advisor. You know, sector specific advice is really good. Um, you know, a general MA lawyer, you know, will be able to do, you know, a good job. A sector specialist will provide just a little bit more um, expertise. Um, and that doesn't have to be, you know, a specific firm that just deals with this. It's just got to be an advisor who has experience in the sector um, because there are compliance issues. There are there are issues as to how you, you know, how you 
the way that you even the way that you contract you know your terms and conditions there will be market practice there will be um there will be certain sort of specific things that will have been seen many times in businesses in that sector that can be easily picked up easily explained easily understood um by an advisor with with some sector experience making sure that your records are up to date um, you're going to need to provide them you know the books i said before uh, making sure you've got signed contracts so if you haven't you know you, you explain that's just you know how you come to terms with your customers and how you do that how you integrate your standard terms and conditions thinking about that nice uh, and ahead of time um working out what your red lines are uh, sellers are going to really think about that i mean again if it's important to you um that you uh that, that you don't give an extensive restrictive covenant you can think about how how that works uh and why the reasons for that is maybe as i say because you've got a minority shareholder um thinking about as you said uh how you incentivized uh, key management that are staying on or stepping up how you might backfill management um uh when when you move on thinking about those sorts of areas i mean they're going to settle the again you know the buyers questions because the buyers are going to ask those questions um, but just making sure that you think about that, you've got a plan for that, you've got a post M&A plan, you know, not just about integration, but about, as I said, backfilling management and making sure you've got the right guys in the right place to step up. Um, as I said before, appreciating that time is the enemy of the deals, then, you know, you've got the resources and um, not neglecting your your day to day business. Um, um, making sure that you com communicate, as I said, with key people, key, uh, uh, key, key stakeholders, um, uh, the vision and the strategy and why you're doing this. Um, um looking at things like um uh what impact the transaction itself may have on your business directly such as change of control provisions if you've got particular accreditations or you've got particular compliance issues where you're going to need to you know there's a timeline there's there's a lead time for getting consent um uh, that could be a key contract consent from a third party or it could as I said be a compliance consent uh thinking about that ahead of time uh, is something that's really important it's a mistake not to do that um yes. taking into account you know employee related issues um uh, there are there are often you know you know as i said issues relating to ensure there's enough um motivation for retained employees and employees that are moving up um dealing with things like you know emi shares if you have a if you have a share option plan uh, yep. i've got to think about that ahead of time because that that's that's an important aspect of of, of the deal you're likely to have you know a, um, a cashless exercise on those emi options but they still need to be dealt with um so yeah, and also the cultural, as I said, the cultural aspect. I can't under, under under understate that you know sometimes it's the small things that matter when it comes to culture and it comes to the workforce. So um, just making sure that you know we're thinking ahead on all those sorts of things. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of these things are, are uh, you know critical uh, preparation. We've found that um, in, in most of. Um, uh, the, the the ones that we've engaged with the, the businesses we've engaged with you know uh, just if they've got their their, their pre uh, preparatory documents uh, uh, done and it's done professionally done uh, uh, you know you see it a mile away and then when it comes to the diligence uh, you know if, if they've identified problems early uh, again we we can always help you know as as buyers we can always help as well um, if there is a, a mitigation or a strategy that's there, we can come to some sort of arrangement or a, agreement um, uh, on on these nuanced issues if there's there are major issues. So, no, a lot of great points there, Greg, and I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate that. Um, and another point that's sorry, another point that's not about preparation, but it's just about something that it's important to to get your mental state uh, ready for for the, for the transaction is to remember the importance of not painting yourself into a corner when you're negotiating. Um, we've talked about it a little bit before, but remembering that there are, 
you know, when you're thinking about those red lines, there are often these creative solutions. So, you know, before, don't be too quick to think, you know, that is something that I would never accept. It's not market practice. Market practice is just a guide. Um, uh, there are there is a margin on either side of anything that's market practice um, and you and you can go into that margin purely because there are other elements of the deal that just don't necessitate you know following that market practice rule um, some massive deviations are going to be completely obnoxious is absolutely fine you know you're not going to accept that but to remain open-minded about you know the creative strategies to solve problems and to not paint yourself into a corner because you know you see this happen and then it becomes a point of principle and then it becomes a blocker and that's very unfortunate um, so you know take the advice but you know think think creatively think solutions uh based um uh and as you say the seller's in control um but uh but, but yeah that's a really important to bear in mind i mean I've, I, a deal i did not that long ago um you know there were too many red lines um uh, coming our way uh, and and those red lines were eventually stepped over they were dealt with um but it, it didn't help the relationship and there is a relationship to remember that needs to happen post completion um Absolutely. so you know saying things are non-negotiable um often not helpful sometimes appropriate but often not helpful no no I, you're absolutely spot on i mean we we've we've seen that um many times as well when you're, you're doing deals you know the, the relationships are absolutely key to that and a lot of the times we've said look you know if we want to just get around the table and you know go through any of the issues and uh, and and really uh, ascertain what is red line issues and what are not. Um, and uh, and and ninety nine times out of hundred, you know, you, you you'll get through the vast majority of them, and there'll be a couple of red lines on either side. So then you say, right, how are we going to uh, mitigate this, the risks to these, and how are we going to get past it and get, as, as you say, a solutions based approach. And I think that that is absolutely key. And so if both sides have got that in mind to have a solutions based approach, um, then you know. And, and you you try and maintain the win-win and willing buyer, willing seller throughout the process. And again, your commercially aware advisors on either side uh, should should be able to um, maintain that. Then, of course, your commer from commercials all the way through to actually signing the deal. Um, you know, you you should be in a in a great place uh, to get that deal done. Um, it, sorry, it was, it was my final point was just the. You know, I've seen it many times as well. You get you get to that point uh, where you're just away to sign, and then so someone somewhere will, will pop up and try and revisit something, and you're saying, "Well, it's already been all dealt with. Let's let's uh, if there's anything now needing done, we could do it post uh, post uh, post sale." Um, so so I think that that's it's it's just keeping the willing buyer willing seller throughout the process. Absolutely. Sorry. That, no, I'm, I, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I, I completely agree. Um, the SPA by design, um, the share purchase agreement by design, is, is designed to allocate risk between the buyer and the seller, both willing, uh, on an equitable basis. Um, you know, equity is not always, you know, it doesn't always mean equality, but and what is equitable will depend on a number of factors, including the negotiating positions of the parties, the particular issues that they have on your deal, the bespoke um uh, uh, concerns that they have, but it is designed to allocate risk on, on an equitable basis. Yeah. You know, so it shouldn't be too much one way, too much the other way. Um, if it is uh, a bad job's been done, um, you know, the, the seller and the buyer have both got to be comfortable and taking aggressive um, red line, non-negotiable approaches is often, is often, uh, as I said, a blocker. Yeah, it, it certainly is counterproductive um, in, in my experience as well. Um, Greg, just just a final uh, final thought. How how can sellers contact you? Um, what's the best sort of method? 
so um, my email address is greg.vincent at more law, which is spelled M-O-R-R-L-A-W.com. Um, if you type Greg Vincent solicitor into Google, um, I'll pop up. It's not difficult to find me. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty easily, easily found on uh, social media. And, uh, and as I said, you can contact me directly. Great. Th thanks very much, Greg. And thanks for, for all your insights um, today. It's It's been really appreciated. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it, too. My pleasure. Thanks, Paul. That's it for another episode of Selling Sessions. That was episode 15, where we spoke to Greg Vincent, partner and head of corporate and commercial law at Morrison Solicitors. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Um, you've offered some exceptional insight and we are sure that it will be of great benefit to our listeners. As always, a huge thank you to our podcast sponsors, Affinity Business Centre, which is a modern and affordable business centre based in Dundee. If you're on the lookout for great office space, we suggest you give them a shout. Next week, we'll be back with yet another episode of the Selling Sessions, so check back for the episode.